Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, my name is Gary Mansfield. And this is the Ministry of Arts podcast, where each week I'll be speaking to a different artist. Now let's begin by bagging these bongos. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 225 of the Ministry of Arts podcast. Before I introduce you to this week's guest, let me just play you this little recording. For the third consecutive year, we've partnered with the Kensington and Chelsea Art Week and Art Trail, where we get the opportunity to speak to several of their featured artists. And today's episode is one of those. But before I take you to meet them, let me just give you a little bit of information about the Kensington and Chelsea Art Week and Art Trail. The Art Week is, well, it's just a little bit longer than a week. It runs from the 22nd of June until the 2nd of July. And the Art Trail runs from the 16th of June right up until the end of August. And the Art Trail even has its own art bus. It stops in the location of various artworks and you can jump on and jump off at your heart's content. For the full list of featured artists and a whole lot more information, go over to the Kensington and Chelsea Art Week Instagram page, which is KCAW London, and you'll find everything there that you need. Well, today's guest is Misha Milovanovic. Misha is a multidisciplinary artist that I predominantly know for her sculpture. But I am very well aware that she creates paintings to put these sculptures into. Misha, as a person, is very positive and spiritual. So this episode has got a very relaxed feel. And I don't want to give too much away about this episode, so I'll take you straight into it. So please come and join me as I spoke remotely to Misha Milovanovic. How did you find Art Basel? 
Uh, I go almost every year if I can, like minus the pandemic times. Uh, it is beautiful because it uh, affords me to recharge my batteries and, and brush up on some of the history of art, see some of the things that probably if they get sold, they go straight to the vaults and you never see them again. Yeah. There are so many things from our art history that I absolutely love. It's one of the reasons like what for art for me gave me was uh, I think almost everything but the sense of freedom, sense of reinvention. And you get to see some of those artists on the stands, on the boots. The boots are beyond uh, kind of high-end, well-curated, all that kind of stuff. There's a bit of networking for sure uh, going on and I, I genuinely just love people, so I, I love engaging. And you have um, sort of uh, and perhaps had too many events and too <laughs> many. in a way it's a celebration of art. Um, but I've noticed, Gary, I have to share this with you, I've noticed since like I didn't go there three years during the pandemic and last year I just didn't feel it. Yeah. But there is definitely, I mean, art is still beautiful. The level of the work that was brought to the museums as well. Uh, more female artists, which is fantastic. More artists of diaspora and color, which is all fantastic. But I've also noticed you know, at the fair, there's a bit, bigger gap between uh, 0.1% to the, you know, the rest. Yeah. And something I didn't really notice before, and I don't know what, it is sort of had this scent in the air. There was a tiny bit of snobism, which I never saw before or felt. And I just, you know, speaking to a couple of friends, we uh, maybe have come to conclusion that the world has indeed changed and, you know, needs some readjustment. But overall, just one big massive, oh, wow, what a, what a privilege, what a, you know, I mean, so much gratitude. Well, I've, I've never been. I've, I've seen lo loads of friends have been, I've seen yeah. photographs and whatnot. It does look amazing. But what you were saying there about you noticed the change, mm -hmm. do you think it could be that you have changed a little during lockdown? Like so many people have had a different perspective on life. It was, a, it was quite a leveling experience because for once we was all treated exactly the same, unless you're a conservative party member of course but other than other than that everyone was on a level playing field rich poor or indifferent you know so it could have possibly given some people a different outlook on life or he was completely right and and there was a bit more of a void this year i am not sure like i definitely know that i have changed I also know because I had time to like grow vegetables. I moved my studio to the countryside where uh, I had more space. Due to some personal circumstances, I also decided to sort of weather, weather it out with this group of friends who were in a countryside. So, and I've also discovered uh, things that I didn't have time for before because I live for my work, so there's a lot of busyness and and slight tension in sort of balancing the real life paying the bills also so it was a moment where i could relax focus solely on work develop the work truly you know starting from the core but also going into some of my trauma which i've sort of collected as a child or in a childhood due to the personal circumstances of being brought up in the country that then got engulfed in a war 
And all that was a kind of zip, zipped up, you know, like a existence that started to open up. So from my personal perspective, I feel I'm more open to the vulnerabilities of people in the yeah. world and much more present in a way and less comparing and despairing, less sort of in a place of balance. And going there, it was really interesting to, you know, to pick these things up from whoever was at the fair. And they're just people, I think. They're no better than me. They might just have a bit more money yeah, at yeah. this moment in time, but it doesn't make them in any way better or worse. So, you know, it's really interesting, Gary, because I always think like there is art and then there is commerce. And there's sort of like a dysfunctional marriage. One is very beautiful, alluring, fun, interesting to talk to, slightly troubled, perhaps. <laughs> and then the other one has money. Yeah. And what I've discovered during the pandemic, and that's really seeped into my work, is deeper sense of belonging to everything. So on some level, you can say it's a spirituality. And that word, I have to be really careful with because it's, uh, you know, it can be misused as well. Yeah. I mean, we were talking about the, the lockdowns and, and during pandemic, where people were taken out, or most people were taken out of their humdrum of daily life. They had more time to, to mm. think. Um, mm. And and that's a, that's that sort of time isn't time that that a lot of people had during their life because they've been so busy living mm -hmm. their life. When mm -hmm. you have that time to sort of step back, mm -hmm. think, calculate, so many people mm -hmm. gave up work or at least scaled down their work to mm -hmm. participate in the mm -hmm. arts or creativity even, um, yeah. because they saw how fresh that was and and how much of an input that could have on their life. Definitely, absolutely. I remember, you know, just to kind of bounce off what you were saying, I remember this article in Guardian some years ago, and I think it was um, it was written by, or it was led by Jarvis Cocker, who explained this difference between when he was an art student going to, you know, being helped by the government to, like, being an adult, being able to get some startup money so to speak to really develop that which then goes and feeds the economy I mean look at how much money people like Damien Hurst puts through the coffers that surely is worth investing into yeah. and this is what you know Lee who you know very well and I totally agree on you know with the charity that you guys are involved with it, you've got to give that opportunity to people to have um to find their deeper self and to develop it. Um, so yeah, from that point of view, I I think, as you said, time spent creating is um, such a such a precious such a precious time, really. Yeah. You mentioned that your work has at least one foundation in in childhood trauma of mm -hmm. growing up. Where was it you grew up? So I was born and raised in Serbia, which at that time was a different country. It was called Yugoslavia. And it was a sort of kind of socialism slash communism um, system, which had in itself a lot of very positive aspects 
and some not so positive aspects. So yeah, that's where I came from to this totally opposite type of life and living to the kind of high octane capitalism of the West. Um, so yeah, I, in my journey, hold these two quite opposite uh, polarities of, uh, you know, existence. And I guess who am I as a person to implement both of these ways of life? And was you still there when it started to change? No, no, I came here, I was a student, so I came okay. to study and then uh, things started to change and I found myself having to make a decision, what do I do next? So I was like, you know, let's see how this pans up. And uh, here I am still trying to figure out what would be the best thing to do. <laughs> well, did you have creativity in the home growing up, Misha? Oh, definitely. So it wasn't perceived to be art whatsoever. So my dad's an engineer technical stuff like mathematics, sciences, all this sort of stuff, very linear, very like male. But as a young boy, he was uh, taught all these different disciplines, like to be a carpenter, to be an electrician, plumber. So in my home, and my mom's a, a crafts um, master, you know, she sort of embroiders and sews and stuff like that. But it was never, everything was implemented into day-to-day -day life. It wasn't ever seen as a high art. So the fact that my dad made all our furniture, it just meant that he could do that. It wasn't perceived as a cool thing uh, because in the in the times I was growing up, there were not that many nice things in shops. Yeah. And everybody was really uh capable of making things so even my clothes was made by mom and i at the age of 10 because i didn't like what you can buy in the shop so Brilliant. i started designing and that's really i guess how my journey began through almost the necessity to create something more beautiful more pleasant more interesting without really knowing that was design or that was art that makes sense what a perfect introduction though right I don't. <laughs> and when was it you decided you wanted to be an artist? So I was originally a filmmaker and a film student. And when my grant stopped, I had some time to figure out what to do. And I started to make these drawings totally by, uh, it, they were like almost like a visions I had to draw. And somebody saw them, recommended that I I had a short career in storyboarding for like, you know, commercial companies and, and advertising type yeah, of yeah. Uh, clients. Because in the movies, uh, when you do movies, in old days, you used to storyboard your visions, your images, your how you wanted your stories to be. And that's how I started. And it developed from there. I absolutely had no idea. I had an idea to be more of a filmmaker, to include all arts together as uh, as all the elements like music and scenography and costumes. And it was a total surprise to me that I actually began drawing and painting. And that was, it just exploded. It was like the seed was planted somewhere. I don't know where maybe by reading too many things and watching too many things. And that's what I believe, Gary, that 
every single person we meet, every single conversation, every single everything is like a tapestry of our lives. Yeah. And it takes us to the journey we're meant to have in order to maybe be better people and to pass that on to some somebody else. So, you know, by you telling me your story and finding yourself in the prison, which cannot be a nice place or nice circumstances in life, somebody came to you and sort of almost like led you into direction to discover things about yourself. And so, you know, we continue this magic of life and I feel that art is virtually absolutely everywhere. So I'll give you like a, an example. When you open my cupboards, somebody said, oh, you stuck them like sculptures. So things are never like ordered. They're ordered in a way that I feel that I need them to flow somehow. And sometimes a cup could be on top of each other with a little bit of color that I put on the side as a card or something that it's like, I truly believe that in a way, life is, art is how you live your life, really. Yeah. And maybe just sculptures are expression of that, like a final expression, but it's in everything. It's how you greet people, how, you know, everything. Like I try to talk to people like their work um, in Tesco's and my local you know, supermarket, because I believe that that interaction is valuable for both of us. And therefore I might put that into my work. It's a very strange thing. I can't quite explain it perfectly, but I feel it. It's the, that feeling that you're putting into it, a little bit of energy from, from different people and influences that you come across. Totally. And then everything becomes like a form of eulogy but also inspiration but and it's so important you know maybe a thought that a greek philosopher had has an impact on a 21st century young student and you don't really need to quote it but when you hear that that say aristotle thought in a way that your journey actually matters more than what the end product is yeah it makes total sense. And then you start to actually see how everything's connected, almost like in a nature. There are, there are layers that we don't see, but they also make the growth of nature happen. And then as everything kind of reduces itself and becomes more quiet and sleepy, it needs, you know, it's almost like it needs to go into that phase of hibernation in order for the ground to be made for something new to grow. So from that perspective, it becomes almost like a philosophy of life, which means that everything is okay. You know, even the kind of hard things are. When you were in prison, I would like to ask you, did you, how did you feel about going to these art classes? What that made you feel? Well, first of all, they just started off as a means to get out of the cell and then I discovered the more I put into this newfound thing which I hadn't yet fallen in love with I got that back my environment started to cross over into this aesthetic world you know that takes some time to, to get used to but yeah many years later that's how I 
live my life physically and mentally now. That is so beautiful. And in, in a way, your, your tutor, what it sounds like, was like opening the doors to that portal and you were... Oh, definitely. ...invited by the muse. And that muse could be, you know, historically seen in so many different guises. But, you know, you took the leap of fate um, and uh, discovered something incredibly magical that uh, will sustain you probably for the rest of your life in that spiritual realm, in the mental, intellectual, and so on and so forth. It sounds absolutely amazing. Love it, love it. He was a good guy. And you've mentioned your work a few times, Misha. Mm -hmm. How would you describe your work to someone that may not know it? Um, joy uh, and um, I think if I had an elevator pitch with, I don't know, say Andy Warhol um, and I, you know, I got like 10 minutes or five minutes or I, I'm guessing that's what you're asking me. It would uh, have to be 15 with Andy Warhol, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Unless he's had enough of the 15 and he's <laughs> taking it down yeah. to five. He's like, okay, yeah. the world has changed. I'm going to be five with everybody because, you know, 15 is long time now. So I think what I am... Um, oh, so, yeah, I think it's... I really take my personal life experience and try to turn it into something... In, well, so like I take these fragments from my life either they're psychological emotional or visual like some of those shapes in my sculptures are from nature like the clouds or petals or dolphins but they're very abstracted but then also I might take an experience that wasn't particularly nice or, or wholesome or holistic like the war back home like the fact that I had a breakdown of a marriage that I was a single mom and all those difficulties might become shapes. And then I create these almost like totem-like trees that I'm hoping will inspire people for their own growth. And also on some intellectual form formalistic level, they're, they're like trees of my own living experience. But this is really interesting, Gary, and thank you for asking because I have to think about this. For me, it's all work in progress and it can never like be pinned down too, too much, yeah. if that makes sense. Because I will find, and I do do textiles and I will sew with my mom. It's like everything becomes then a collaboration and inspiration and each, aspect of the way it could be a drawing could be a, a a tapestry or a ceramic piece or a metal piece it's done within the realm of working with other people so it's the conversations that i'm interested in and what they bring to it and even though sometimes with like metal you, you can't really change your mind it doesn't work that way because people need to weld it it's really all about experimenting and pushing the work and finding something that it's almost like it comes from my subconscious mind into the consciousness. And I really love being simple to myself about it and maybe even using intuition when I work. Like I absolutely love the work of Jean Arp, who's a sculptor. Yeah. He's a big hero of mine and he had this philosophy that when he was drawing his shapes, 
he didn't want his ego to get in a way so he did things like automatically and um, I love this idea of working with your intuition which you can't really pin it down so therefore at the moment at this point in a historical kind of you know when you look at art history it's slightly avoided but I think there will be a time for this kind of chapter where spiritual work or spirituality or emotions or feelings or feelings that are not really trendy like joy and happiness are also brought to the forefront because we don't talk about this healing aspect of art enough one size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/people today. Yeah, I was about to say your sculptures are very calming to look at. They are organic shapes. They're very soft and subtle. The only angle is when they interlock. At normally, at roughly a a 90 degree angle for so for anyone listening it, it might be like um a flat cloud or two flat clouds that you have sculpted and that they one is turned 90 degrees and interlink into the other so it gives it more of a form from different angles and they are very soft they're very calming and when it's we, so when we also you. talk about your paintings it's almost as if you're making a world for these figures to go and live in yeah but that's so wonderful you just meet okay so there is one thing that I thought the other day and I was like that's gonna sound really weird like can you be a vibe vibe sculpture can you work with like vibes around you and then turn them into sculptures like and I've noticed that you can do that with a sound but it's yeah. not that common I need to show you something just stay there two seconds. um excuse me Gary <laughs> you're all right so I've been doing more and more and more carving. So this is from, not many people have seen this. This is like an experiment. Oh, okay. It's a, sh uh, so I've made body work, which is all very voluminous and carved and it's made in fiberglass. But this little piece, it's an experimenting piece um, that I sort of painted just as a test. So I'm moving much more towards uh I love the way you said, like, uh, you know, the clouds that are kind of fitted together in organic forms of nature. Uh, the work is taking me into the more of a full, fullness of the form and, and sort of playing with this idea of growth and volumizing things and, and actually carving them because um, so far the shapes were made exactly by interlocking, which I have taken from one of my favorite artists is Samu Noguchi, who does a lot of beautiful, just like, this is the first time I see that 
Yeah, I've experienced crying in an exhibition at the Barbican a couple of years ago. I was like, what is going on? Why am I crying? This yeah. I've never, never experienced that. And I cried like three times. I was, I mean, I was like, this is really weird. Has that happened to you before? Three times. Where? I had Damien Hurst, who is someone that doesn't normally their work yeah. his work doesn't normally affect me but during his I think it was a retrospective at the Tate several years ago he had a butterfly room and me and a friend was coming out of there and my friend had one of the the actual living butterflies on his collar mm -hmm. so just as we come out I cupped the butterfly to leave it in the room we just come out of and as I turned around there was Damien Hurst's butterfly windows you know the the um the, the stainless, stainless steel glass windows, yeah, yeah. It mm -hmm. made of butterflies. That was up in the air. My eyes just welled up, and I mean, the other two were Francis Bacon paintings. Amazing. Do you know what was the, the emotion that came into you? It was just seeing this vast array of beauty. There was this huge mass of colour beaming down on me. It took my breath away, and whatever it was inside, you know, culminated in making my eyes water and a a tear run down my face. Totally, totally related. I mean, when I when I remember that feeling of seeing these works by Noguchi, this amazing, beautifully curated exhibition at the Barbican, I was overwhelmed by the notion of how somebody can put this together in such a succinct way, such a under, you know, very gloriously simple way and that there lived a remarkable human being who sort of traveled through the time, gathered all this and was able to express, his, express it. And, you know, here it is for me to come to it, feel it. And you see, this is the thing. This is the thing when things are so powerful with the beauty that, there are no words to describe them. They have their own meaning. They are they they kind of live in their own own realm and world, and you can just feel it. And maybe that's the best thing about it. it as soon as I try to describe it, I turn into jibbering idiot, which is fine. <laughs> okay no, that's that. good. It is just a connection you have with something in that instant. Sometimes it yeah. doesn't need describing. It is just in the moment. It is just that emotional connection we have with that, either what we've seen, what we've heard, or which piece that you've created do you think has got the strongest emotional connection? Um, let me think. Uh, from all the sculptures, and uh, let's just, they're difficult to, difficult to divide or make a divisions in my mind, because for me, it's always about what's coming next. How do I communicate better? And so these new carved works are much, that's where my mind is at, you know, uh, works that have a lot of texturing, different uh, finishes, maybe using some minerals and salts to accentuate this like skin-like finish almost. So things like that is what really keeps me up late at night or gets me out of bed in the morning. Well, you just made reference to the sculptures that you're looking at creating next. Um, and you mentioned carving. Would I be correct in thinking that they're out of wood then? There are some pieces that are made of wood. So I've been working with this like 500-year-old yew trees and, and also finding people that can source them. And it's like this like wonderful 
great little woodyards and near Wales. Uh, and I spend quite a bit of time in Shropshire where I have my welding studio and so on. Yeah, carving in wood, also making things in DUP boards, which is uh, like you can carve them, yeah, like yeah. make um, surfboards from. So you stick them together with glue and make them really kind of big shapes and then you start to carve them. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, using different techniques, uh, learning with resin, learning how to use resin. I was not... I didn't study sculpting. I studied actually paint. I'm a painter. When I came into art, was more I was more inclined to understand two dimensionality and create three dimensionality. And then again, art has afforded me this journey to experiment and to see some stuff that will come from the paintings into three D, maybe cutting wood and layering, and and so that's how the sculptures began. And then when I started to walk that path i thought oh well let's try this and let's try that so it's um it's a wonderful road into learning and and acquiring these skills yeah. around how to make sculptures and also finding out that it is prohibitively expensive to make <laughs> very much so very much so um if there was you and five other artists misha past or present yeah what would your ideal group show be Oh my God, thank you for asking me that. Uh, so it would be Jeanne Arp, uh, Noguchi. I would have to put a couple of female artists just for the kind of balance of history. So it would have to be, uh, I love Louise Bourgeois. I love her Brilliant. irreverent sort of punk-like persona. Um, I think I would have um, Niki de Sanfal because we're looking for one more woman. She was um, just wonderful on so many levels for me. And there was that playfulness about her and uh, so much beauty. Uh, and then I would also take, okay, I have to take Basquiat in just because. <laughs> Good choice. Unfortunately, it's gone totally kind of uh, commercially mainstream, but there is a reason why his work is so freeing and so happy and so I don't know there is there is an element of freedom that I get and I'm sure a lot of a lot of people get through just viewing his work so yeah I'm gonna take basket because it would have been also nice to okay I, can I share that with uh Keith Haring and basket together perfect so they will have to come together they're a good they're a good team to create sorry about that sure. I'm about to ask if you've got anything coming up, but I know one thing you have got coming up, which is um, your position in the Kensington and Chelsea Art Week and Art Trail. Would you be able to tell us a little bit more on what you've got going on there? So I have a beautiful, massive, it's not massive, actually it's started to look small to me when, when I saw it, it was massive inside of my studio because it's quite, it's like two meters big, but now that it's on the street, it just shows you the sort of, scale how it changes when you have you know environment when the environment changes around it so i have a pink metal steel sculpture which is made out of eight individual pieces um uh welded and powder coated 
for the KCW Art Trail, and it represents it represents many things, but this one is particularly based around the, the Empress, the Goddess, the the, the female form, and um, fertility is part of it. Uh, so it, it, it sort of represents the beauty of women and the power of women, and it celebrates it. So yeah, that's kind of short version. And whereabouts can it be found? So it's on the High Street Can in between Design Museum and Olympia. It's on that little stretch. So if people are happy to have a little mooch around on a sunny afternoon this summer, they'll be able to find it and um, hopefully get a lot of joy from it. And I would love to, Gary, invite you. I have an exhibition in town at the moment at the gallery in Daring Street. Please come. It's on until September. I love you to come. There are some works in steel and multicolored, which is very technically hard to do. And there are some pieces in wood and mixed media that I've also been working on. So I would love you to come and see that. Um, so yeah, Kensington Chelsea Trail, uh, first time. It's been fun. It's been a bit hectic because I also have this exhibition on in London at the Muchacha Gallery on 21 Daring Street. So yeah, it's just been... And how do you feel, Misha? Is there a different feeling that you get with your art being a sculpture inside and a sculpture outside. You've just mentioned that it looks so much smaller outside compared to when it was in your studio. So there is a different feeling you would get as an artist and the viewer would get seeing a piece of public artwork compared to private, as it were, in a gallery. Totally, and this has taught me a huge lesson in a way and huge experience just to see it um, I've seen some of my sculptures before in uh, nature, in a private um, private garden type of scenarios by clients that, you know, commission them. But yeah. I'm, it's much more urban environment. There, there's so many things that I have no control over in any way, shape or form. First of all, where this piece is going to go. I'm not going to turn around and say, oh, I don't want my piece there. I need yeah, it to yeah. be there. You know, I'm not going to be that kind of artist. Um even though secretly I would love to, but you know, yeah. we'll slowly get there. The diva yeah, needs yeah. to kind of be locked in a cupboard for maybe another couple of decades. But uh, joke aside, it's really uh, the, one of the things when they picked up the sculpture was like, I don't know if I, I, I can't bear this. It's gone, and will it be okay? Will somebody scratch it? You know, <laughs> like handing you... your baby over to yeah, someone. I was, I was kind of bereaved for about like two days. It's very strange, yeah. but that happens when anything goes, even when I do an exhibition. And when things come back, even though I need them to sell, I'm like, yes, you're back from <laughs> here. Oh, I love you. You'll never leave me again. Yeah, saying goodbye to something, it's tough, you know, as you know. How do you feel when things leave your studio? There was a, there was a time when I didn't even sell anything, keeping the drawings and only selling the prints. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so now I have a lot of original drawings. I've just come round to the fact that they need to sell. But yeah, I had that conflict too much of a personal connection but I was fine when it was a commission because there's that disconnect oh so Damien's mum told me once awesome Mary she's a super awesome person and a great friend and you know we I see her sometimes with other friends when she's in London and she said to me 
that um, the reason why Damon was successful is one time somebody came who wanted to, well, she didn't say exactly that's the reason, but things changed where he when he doubled the prices. And I think there is something about the merit of playing the game of success and how people value the work. So the value of work is a very interesting question. So going back to the beginning when you were asking me, you know, how did I find um, Art Basel? That's part of it, finding out how this aspect of this entity of value has an impact on me. And in the past, I used to be intimidated by this kind of expensive work around me. And now I'm like, let me tap into this energy. Let me vibrate a little bit closer to where these works are because I've noticed when I started to change my mindset and really work from the place of trust, belief and handing it over, things started to change for me and of course I think that's generally focused with everything else that I was producing more work, being more serious about the finishes, creating work with a really kind of expensive materials such as steel and welding and hiring people to do it. So it's, you know, this question of value and how we value ourselves is not something we had thought in art school. And I think as an artist, we need to have more support for each other and more discussions about it as well. Yeah. Well, speaking about the value of art, be it financial value or emotional value, mm -hmm. I had a friend contact me who's I wouldn't say wealthy, but he's got money to spare, you know. He wanted to buy a piece of artwork. Mm -hmm. So I said, well, do you want it for your heart or for your pocket? Mm -hmm. And he said, well, he wanted it as a piece, like an investment. And mm -hmm. I said, well, I, I can't help you because every bit of artwork that I've got, I've mm -hmm. bought because it's connected with me. So it doesn't bother me if it was £5 or if it was £5,000. I love that, it Gary. It means and a I different amount to me, you know. I love that and I totally agree because there was a period where I was an art curator and advisor. I was a single mom, so you know, I, I did jobs to you know keep a roof over our heads and, and put food on a table. And um, I remember being around these people who were talking absolute nonsense and advising on what you should be buying for the investment and sitting there thinking okay i've got to keep my mouth shut because i really need to you know keep this work this paying the bill but you know nothing and you're actually talking total you know <laughs> utter rubbish because it's so spe it's so highly speculative that you know that these bubbles are created by so-and-so uh, advisors talking about it and building the hype around it, you know, they bring a client in, they convince them, the client brings a couple of his mates and there you go, there's, a, you know, a bubble created or the value of the work goes higher. But it's total and utter rubbish. I would just say, buy what you love and you will never go wrong with it. That's really it. And for people who can't see your work in person, how would they see what you're doing, be it website or social media? Yeah, please, please just drop onto my website. I will update it shortly because it's been a little bit of a busy time. So it will be updated very soon. But uh, generally Instagram, I love making reels that with absolute great gusto where I create just really fun, funky narratives. And what is the title of both your website and 
social media? It's my name and my surname, which is Misha, first name, second name, Milo Vanovic. And that is purely Serbian name in both cases. And I will spell that. That's M-I-S-H-A. And then Milo Vanovic, that's M for Mada, I for Italy, L for Love, O for October, V for Victory, A for Apple, N for November, O for October again, V for Victory, I for Italy, M, C for Chocolate, and H for Happy. I'm so sorry. It's a very long surname. Milo Vanovic. And it's a, it's, it is a little bit of a tongue twister for, for us that may not use those on a regular basis. You know what? I thought about changing and then I was like, you cannot do that. My as, as ancestors will be really upset. So I have to just continue being a very long surname person. Okay, Misha, thank you very much for your time. It's very much appreciated. Thank you, Gary. And I will definitely so pass through... Um, Kensington High Street to see your work there and while I'm there I will pop over at Daring Street that's for sure. Thank you Gary please come to Daring Street and just send me a text or an email I'll drop you my number and we'll have a coffee as well. Definitely. Bye. See you later bye-bye. Hello I'm Vestalia Chilton the director of Kensington and Chelsea Art Week and Art Trail. You've just been listening to one of our featured artists Make sure to keep these dates for the Art Trail starts on the 15th of June and lasts all summer and Art Week starts on the 22nd of June and ends on the 2nd of July. All of this information is on our website kcaw.co.uk. We look forward to welcoming you. Well, hope you enjoyed that episode of the Ministry of Arts podcast. So we wasn't dictated to by advertisers, we decided from the offset to go ad-free, which means obviously we had to self-fund. So we set up the Ministry of Arts Patreon page. And without that support, we would not be able to produce this podcast. So if you like what you hear and you're able to support the podcast, just go over to the Ministry of Arts Instagram profile. You'll find a Linktree drop-down box, which will direct you straight to our Patreon page. And for the price of a cup of coffee, you can help keep us growing week by week. But if you're not able to do that, that's fine because this content is free for everyone. But leaving a review on whichever platform you listen to your podcast, that really does help us get noticed and anyone else looking for an art podcast. Or even giving us a positive shout out on your social media. Everything is appreciated. But either way, thanks for listening. And until next week, ta-da. Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, 
all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.